Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Wednesday, December 23rd. I'm Erica Pandy, filling in for Nyla Boodoo. We spent a lot of time this past year talking about how the coronavirus pandemic has upended almost every aspect of our lives. Doctors, nurses, and public health officials have seen this virus up close. Today, we wanted to revisit some of the conversations Nyla had this year with the people who are fighting this pandemic. The healthcare workers on the front line are today's one big thing. Here's where things stand as we head into the holidays. More than 315,000 Americans have died. Cases nationwide are nearing 18 million. And over 600,000 doses of the Pfizer vaccine have been administered in the U.S. Los Angeles County is leading the country in both cases and deaths as numbers continue to skyrocket. There have been zero ICU beds available in Southern California since Thursday. Kevin Deegan is a chaplain at Providence Holy Cross Medical Center in L.A. He's Nyla's brother-in-law and spoke with her in July. We wanted to start by revisiting their conversation because it focuses on a crisis that we don't often talk about. The mental health toll the pandemic is having on hospital staff who have to face the virus every day. It's very draining. I talk a lot about this healthy margin that we as caregivers develop over time, this margin between what is mine and what is theirs. With COVID, that healthy margin has been eliminated, where their experience of being sick or being afraid of getting sick is the same experience that we're having as caregivers. That all just sounds so tough. I wonder, do you find yourself trying to find moments of hope throughout the day? Yeah, the hope really comes from the strength of the caregivers, the way that they are offering that extra measure of love and grace and mercy to the patients in the midst of such difficult times. Just last week, I was teaching a 90-year-old woman how to answer her iPad for a FaceTime call to be able to talk to her sister who was in the hospital. And so having these two 90- and 88-year-old women FaceTime with one another was just so sweet and so wonderful. It's a really important time that as we are physically distant from one another, that we still connected in in ways that we can, continuing to keep a sense of normalcy in the midst of this new abnormal. And an update on Kevin. After a grim week of loss in his hospital, he actually got his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine on Monday. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the story of how one El Paso nurse coped with the coronavirus surge in her community. Welcome back to Axios Today. In November, Nyla spoke with Ariana Lucio, who's a registered nurse at the Del Sol Medical Center in El Paso. At the time, Texas was the first U.S. state to surpass one million coronavirus cases. Since then, California and Florida have followed suit. Ariana's story is a firsthand account of what it's like to work around the clock while putting your family at risk. You know, the impact of all these rising cases is 
it's taking a toll on the hospital and the employees day to day or week to week. We'll notice, oh, now this unit is COVID. Now we have tents outside the hospital. It's been strange and scary. I imagine also being pregnant makes you be extra careful. Do you feel like you have enough PPE? Right now, we get one N95 per shift. And so basically, we have to wear the same N95 from the time we we go in to the time we leave, which is like 13 hour shifts. We also ran out of the shoe covers a few months ago. What I do is I just don't wear my shoes in my car and I don't wear them inside my house. Ariana, I know you said you've been a nurse for eight years. Why did you become a nurse? Why do you like it? I became a nurse. Um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then she passed away. But when they were caring for her, that's when I like thought, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to help people like these nurses help my mom. I mean, I wonder how you feel about what you're doing now. You know, I feel good about it because the patients are alone and someone has to be there. And I always think like we have to do our job, even at times when it's hard, when when we worry about ourselves. You know, that's the oath you take when you're a nurse. You have to be an advocate for patients. Ariana Lucio is a nurse at Del Sol Medical Center in El Paso. She's currently taking time off work until January to be with her family, including her oldest daughter, who she hasn't seen in over a year. The fight against the coronavirus isn't just happening in hospitals. Public health officials have been coordinating the response in states and cities across the country. As the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have been approved, they've been tasked with planning their state's distribution plans. In early December, before the rollout of the Pfizer vaccine, Nyla talked to Dr. Scott Harris. He's a state health officer in Alabama, and he told her what challenges they were facing. When you have a pandemic, it's really difficult for us to even say, well, you need to go first and you need to wait. But the truth is, we just don't have enough to go around. And so some really difficult decisions have to be made. That was a few weeks ago. So we called him up for an update three days after Alabama had gotten their first shipment of the Pfizer vaccine. It initially went out to 15 different hospitals. They were in just about every part of the state. All of those hospitals are using half of that allotment for their own staff inside their own four walls. But the other half is being allocated to other healthcare professionals in the community or, or in the catchment area. I think the very first day we gave over a thousand doses out of our allotment, which was a lot. We felt pretty good about that very first day. He knows they've got a long way to go, but he still sees this as a bright spot. The vaccine's always been the answer for this problem, and to have it finally here really makes us feel optimistic, you know, almost for the first time. And when Nyla spoke with Dr. Harris a few weeks ago, she also asked him about the challenge of getting everyone vaccinated, particularly Alabama's Black residents. I mean, the Tuskegee study is sort of like what everyone in the country looks at when they think about the idea of Black mistrust and Black abuse at the hands of a medical system or institutions. And that, unfortunately, happened in Alabama. I assume, as a state health officer, this is something that you've been working on before the pandemic. But I wonder, what are you doing especially now? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. The public health 
infrastructure in Alabama was part of that experiment. That was a, a terrible thing that happened over decades of time, and we're still living with a legacy of that. We have initially tried to contact people in African-American communities who are trusted voices because these are local public officials who are trusted in their communities. And, and so those are people who need to get the message out for us because we believe that if we can show them the same data that we're seeing and if we can convince them of the things that we've become convinced of that we are going to have a safe and effective vaccine, then that makes our job a lot easier as they communicate that to their constituents. Some of those worries are still there. So far, they've only vaccinated healthcare workers and have tried to address misinformation about the vaccine that continues to spread throughout the state. They're also trying to manage expectations that while this is a light at the end of the tunnel, we're still making our way through it. And that's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcasts at Axios.com or reach out to me on Twitter at Erica underscore Pandy. We're taking the rest of the week off for the holidays. And that's the end of my hosting stint. Niall is back in your ears next week with some special episodes and you won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening and have the best holiday.